0: Of your Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 14, wherever we're going to be this morning. As we um, go there, I realize that um, hopefully your Bible or your phone or whatever you have is in front of you, that you are saying to the Lord this morning as the Word of God is there in front of you, that you're saying, Lord, I want to, I want to hear your voice through your Word. So as the scriptures laid open, I'm praying that your heart is too. Realize that there's a lot of things that have taken place this week. And uh, praying that one of those things that have taken place this week is that you spent time with him on a personal basis. I talked to you last week about the mountains, about Jesus and his time of prayer. And i um, praying that you have a relationship with the Lord. It's an opportunity where you get to know one of his characteristics and you walk out of that that time alone with Jesus saying, okay, I can walk differently because I know this about who you are. Where the temptation typically is, is when you get your Bible, you open it up and say, okay, I read my Bible. God, now you need to do this, 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 and this. And away we go. And it doesn't actually change who we are. You know, you hear people, or I watch people, they gather in buildings, and I share with the elders this morning, I had an opportunity to be with Youth for Christ yesterday. Uh, last Actually, Saturday Friday night and then uh, yesterday. And they're talking about this, and they kept repeating this word over and over and over again. Authentic relationship with Christ. And so eventually, because of their organization, they sat down and said, okay, we're going to define it this way. This is what Youth for Christ defines, an authentic relationship with Christ what it looks like. If they talked about abiding with Christ, getting to know Christ on a daily basis through His Word. They talk about love, uh, possibly you receiving love, and then you demonstrating love out of who you are. And then inviting people, that you're saying, okay, here's the Scriptures, I want to invite people. So, as and you can leave the mountain there. As you think about your devotion to Christ, I want you to maybe possibly remove the church concept And I want you to think about what does it look like for you personally? What are you asking Him for? What are you seeking His face for? I know there's a lot of things in life that have a temptation to draw your focus and go, well, if I just have this, or if this would change, or this would change. But do you, sitting here this morning, look forward to hearing His voice? When you read truth, that your God is faithful. Do you walk in that in that fact the rest of the day? Now I know there's an ongoing battle and it's not like we're going to be perfect. I don't ever expect us to be sinless. But I do expect us to say, okay, I'm not going to buy into that lie because of my Father's faithful. I don't need this, this, and this. Or, His mercies are new this morning. So it didn't, doesn't matter what we did yesterday. His mercy is new today the other part I want us to see and just remind you about Jesus walking on water the disciples were in the boat that was all normal for them and then Jesus comes walking across the water and they're afraid but one thing I love about it is you end up Matthew chapter 14 is that they worship him they said you are worthy have you said to Jesus you're worthy this week or did you just check it off oh I did my devotions, not really going to let it affect me, but if somebody ever asked me, yep, I did my time with Jesus. Then I won't allow it to get down in who I am. And I don't really think you have a personal relationship with Jesus. This morning we're going to talk about two words. The first word is healing. So if you have your Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 14. Pick it up in verse 34. And when they crossed over, they came to a land, is there it? And when the men of that place recognized him, recognized Jesus, the men of that place, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick. And implored him that they might touch fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. This morning as you gather together as a family, you read in Matthew chapter 14 where they would just touch the hem of the garment. How far they traveled, I don't know. What is their sickness, I don't know. I know that this group said, if you just allow us to touch the hem of His garment, that's all we need. If we just touch it. And I don't know how many people... Didn't show up that day. So, you know what? It's Jesus. We don't believe in him. And then Jesus left, and people came back and said, oh, By the way, if you just would have been there, he could have healed you. All we had to do was just touch his garment. I don't know how many people are going to be in heaven that touched his garment and said, Yeah, we believe you're the Messiah. And they got eternal healing. We're going to spend eternity with them. How many just touched the garment and said, No, oh, I just really want, all I want from you, Jesus, is physical healing. I don't want a relationship with you. I don't want to say that you're the Messiah. I don't have all that information. But what's interesting to me this morning as I think about this passage of Scripture, I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, you read these words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle. Low and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You know what's interesting? I realize in Matthew chapter 14, we're talking about physical healing and those people that came there the word spread around and they, they touched the hem of his garden and then he was healed. They were healed. Can I ask you something? When was the last time that Jesus did any healing work in your life? When was the last time that you, sitting in here, came to him and said, Okay, here's my burden, this is what I'm laboring about. This is what I don't understand. When was the last time you fell in your bed and said, You know what, Jesus, it's you. I need you. Nothing else, nothing more. Nothing less. Jesus, I need you. I'm desperate for you. And I know something. All of you have issues. All of us sitting at Youth for Christ had issues. And the the leader of Youth for Christ, and I got a chance to sit with him uh, after the, the, the Friday night session, there's a group of leaders that then went inside in that part, and then he talked about his issues. And so he said, you know, I don't want you to think this is a one-on-45 counseling session, but I want to share with you what kind of what God is doing in my family that God is really using to get my attention and to do some heart work in me as the leader of Youth for Pride. He's using his son. I thought, hmm. Chairman if you, I don't know what the budget is. I don't know how many thousands of kids they're reaching with the gospel. But God's still worried about Dan and he wants to do something in Dan's heart and say, hey Dan, you still need me. The real interesting thing though is will you come? Will you humble yourself enough to say to your father this morning, I need some help. I need some healing. And you can walk out of here and just the same that you came in. Now, I'm not going to be walking around and whapping people on the forehead. We're not going to go crazy here, but it would be interesting to actually be honest and say, you know what, God? I think you want to do something in me today. And so what's interesting, I'm going to run you through some passages of Scripture right out of, out of Psalms. Things that who our Father is, who Jesus is, who God is. But will you go with him? Will you cling to him? So, take your Bible. I'm going to start in Psalm chapter 7. So, we'll start there and we'll go to the right in your Bible so we don't get too confused back and forth. So, start with Psalm chapter 7, verse 1. Psalm 7 1. Oh, Lord my God. In you do I take refuge. Save me from all who pursuers. And deliver me. Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God. For in you I take refuge. I say to you, to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you and I and as I read these verses the church part of me likes just to keep it off as the God part the fatherless guy reads it this way preserve me dad for in you I will take refuge I say to you father Lord you are my Lord he knows there's no good thing in me. He knows them. But I go to Him and say, Would you help me? Psalm 16, verse 8. I've set the Lord always before me, because He is my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells securely. You will not abandon my soul to shield. Me. Or let your Holy One seek corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I know there's things in this earth that we like. Is your heavenly father your pleasure as he heard your voice saying thank you thank you for for what you're doing to me thank you that I can see you We we were driving to lunch yesterday and I don't know it's just weird growing up in Indiana we didn't ever see rain over here and rain over here and sunshine in the middle I can't comprehend this yet you know, it doesn't, it never rain in the front yard of my house and never rain in the backyard of my, I, I mean, I just don't it, it's just weird. I don't understand it. But the more I see it, it's like, thanks. And so I see rain over here and I see sunshine over here and rain over here and then I see this rainbow. I'm thinking that's my oh. Saying good morning to me. Saying, I got your back. Saying, I'm never going to let it flood again. We'll never flood again. My Father's doing that. Yes, He is my God, and He is my Savior, but He's my Father. And I see Him. And I get excited saying, wow. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for every single person in the Bible Fellowship as a family that they would know their father. Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I'm so tired of what people say they do or who they are. My stronghold is the Lord. I'll be never about what I do or where I go. Never. I don't want it to be. I want my Father to be the stronghold of my life. Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside quiet, beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's. What soul restoration has he done for you? What is he changing in you? What are you resisting? Psalm 27. The Lord is, the, is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When evil doers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, is there any who stumble and fall? Though an army camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing that I ask of the Lord, that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his Him. So this morning as you read Matthew chapter fourteen, and it is kind of neat to think about all of them were healed. How has Jesus made you well? What is he doing in your heart today? What has he done in the last six months? What are you asking him for in the future? So this morning, I want you to know, as we end our time together, and I'm giving you a heads up. And as soon as I say this, I already know what's going to happen. There's going to be this, like, butterflies in your stomach. We're going to open up the altar this morning. We're going to ask you just to leave Quietly. If you want to fellowship, please fellowship over the coffee and donuts. But we just want to, if you want to sit in here, and I'm not saying that you come down to altar, that you're living in sin. So that's old school stuff. We're not going to play 45 verses of a song to see how many people come forward. Nobody has to walk forward. You might just want to sit in your seat and just say, Father, what do you want to do in me? What healing do you want to do in me today? I just wanted to give you a heads up. I want to challenge challenge you to listen to your Father's voice. I want to challenge you to come to Him. Just the way He's already presented to you in, in Matthew chapter 11. So healing is my first word. Now the second word is heart. But before we share this, There's going to be a confrontation here. And sometimes we like to talk about Jesus as love, and I believe that's who he is. It's one of his characteristics. But he was never afraid to call it out and say, listen, you guys have totally missed the boat here. So here's one of these opportunities where you're going to see kind of Jesus just punch these guys right in the nose. And not because he's right, or not because he wants to be right. Or not because it's, oh, here, I'm going to stop and take attention for myself. Because he wants these people to spend eternity with him. And unless they figure this out and make a totally different direction, go in a totally different direction, they're not going to spend eternity with Jesus. So there's going to be a confrontation in Matthew chapter 15. The confrontation is going to be over a tradition where they were saying, okay, if you do this, and you can show on that next slide. If you do this, if you wash your hands, then you're clean. Now what's funny is this tradition, if you're just reading it, because I know that some of you are germaphobes, and you wash your hands everywhere, and I'm not saying that's right, not right or wrong. I'm just, that's kind of giggle, I kind of giggle at you. And It's really more second hour. There'll be individuals over here that every time we say, go shake hands with somebody, they have their little wipes, you know, already stashed in that corner over there. So after they come back to their seat, they're already doing their hands, you know, because they don't want anybody's germs after he's, you know, greeted somebody. So if you come in here second hour, just know that you are a germ person. And if you shake their hands, they are going to wipe their hands to be clean. That's not what we're talking about in Matthew chapter 15. Okay? Matthew chapter 15, you have individuals in Matthew chapter 15, the Pharisees and the scribes, they came to Jesus from Jerusalem. It's interesting. So they came to Jesus from Jerusalem. So they've hiked out to this Jesus guy. They're going to have this little meeting with Jesus. And they're going to say to Jesus, they're going to ask Jesus a question, but really, just so you know this, and so I don't do a lot of this at times, but i want to do this with you this time. These individuals would put their hands together, what I think is kind of like this. Okay? And then what I would think, if I understand right, so I won't take a bullet for this, but it's just interesting, they would take a cup and a half of egg, like water, that's how much water, a cup and a half that you can put in in an eggshell, and they would dump it on their hands. And they would start at the top, and if it got in between their hands, if the water got in between their hands, they weren't clean. So it had to go down, and once it got down past their wrist, and if it dripped off their wrist, if I understand it right, then they were considered clean. And their tradition trumped the Word of God. So Jesus is now entering into this conversation with these these scribes that have come from Jerusalem, all full of their tradition. Oh yeah, by the way, this is who we are, and we are clean because we do this. Now you pick it up in Matthew chapter 15. Then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Tradition of the elders, put your hands together. It was not to wash their hands to be clean. To get the germs off, you're not going to get a whole lot of water with just a cup, you know, uh, you know half a cup of egg. I mean, that, that amount of water. You're not going to put that much, you're not going to wash your hands and soap and water and get clean. But what they were saying is, we'll put our hands together, we'll dump the water on it. Guess what? We are clean because we are traditionally clean. So why don't your disciples? Jesus, why don't these guys do this? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them. Here we go. This is going to be the confrontation. He answered them. And why do you break the commandment of God? For the sake of your traditions. For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother. And you find that in Deuteronomy. Exodus, not Deuteronomy, Exodus chapter 20 verse 12. Honor your father and mother. That's the command of God. And whoever revels against father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you have have gained from me is given to God. So instead of honoring moms and dads, you know what they would do? Traditionally, if they didn't want to give any money to mom and dad to help them, they would say, well, it's been given to God. So we can't help mom and dad. Well, you little spiritual, you know, goody-two-shoots. So Jesus has gone back and forth and say, okay, you say this, you've taken your tradition and you've placed it over and honor your father and your mother. You've taken it over the truth. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Verse 5. He need not honor his father for the sake of his tradition. You have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Whoa. Hypocrites. Let's put that, put that word on the screen. Alright, now I want you to think about hypocrites. So this is what Jesus has just called these guys. So let's show them the next one. Called them pretenders. Alright? He called them deceivers. He called them phonies. He called them a fraud. He's called the guys in Matthew chapter 15 that are the Pharisees and the scribes that have come from Jerusalem. He said, y'all, a bunch of phonies. You're fake. You've allowed the tradition of a man to trump the truth of the word of God. God said, on your father and mother. You say, oh, we've given it. Oh, we've given that to God already. We can't help mom and dad. You know that there's no way that you can put that water on your hand that does not declare that you are spiritually clean. There's no forgiveness by dumping water. But their tradition said, oh yeah, we're clean, look what we do. Just be careful. Because there are times that we say our traditions or our opinion trumps the word of God. Now, some of you, probably most everyone in here will remember this, but a couple of you won't remember this. When I was a kid, we went to church camp. We were not allowed to do anything fun until after 3 o'clock because that was not considered holy. So we walked around in pants and shirts and ties throughout the day because we went to church in the morning, we went to lunch, and then we just went back to our cabin and laid around because we were not allowed to have any fun because that was not considered the Sabbath. You weren't taking the Sabbath seriously if you, didn't go out and have, if you went out and had fun before 3 o'clock. I remember as a kid growing up, I was not allowed to go to the movie theaters because the devil was in the movie theaters. I mean, and devil wasn't in Dukes of Hazard, but he was at the movie theaters. I remember as a kid, you know, we weren't we we you know we were we were trained that you didn't play with playing cards. So we played rook. You know, I don't, I don't, well, we didn't go to motion. We didn't go to uh, theaters because that, you know, considered Broadway productions. We weren't allowed to do those things. And now I look back and thinking, what the world? Where do these people wake up? What are they? What are they? What are they thinking? Now let's bring it forward to the twenty first century. Just because a doctor says something does not mean that it's true. I'm not talking about physical. People come to me that psychologists, psychiatrists have told them that it's permissible to love more than just one woman. That's a new diagnosis. Hmm. Okay. Listening to my daughter when she was how many girls would come sit with her and say, I've been diagnosed with this and this and this and this and this and this. She said, Dad, we have a diagnosis for everything. And then I would sit down with the girls and say, what about Jesus, this, 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 and this? They never thought that way. They've not been trained to say, Jesus, what, you, what is this? What, what do you want to do in my life? i just diagnose it. I'm... I'm And I'm not not saying people cannot be depressed. I believe people are there. Depression is a real thing. And I think there's a time where people can take medication. For example, my mother-in-law, for many, many years, struggled with anxiety. And she would share with people now. For years, Eugene would try to fix her. Here's a Bible verse. Here's a Bible verse. Here's a Bible verse. So they finally went and found somebody to give them some help. And for a little while, she would take medication. Now she doesn't take that medication I'm not against the medication, okay? What I'm concerned is, is we're always looking for a diagnosis, and, we're, and the answer is never, or very rarely, Jesus. We're being told that marriage is this. What does the Word of God say? We are being told, well, I just... I was just angry. It was okay. I'm still. I'm, I still really love Jesus, but I'm angry. Hmm. How can I really love Jesus and live in anger for thirty years? How does that work? Well, you know, I just. I just. I'm just one of those negative people. I'm sorry, but I'll just tell you, I'm just negative. Really. Have you ever asked Jesus to change you from negative to a positive? Well, you know, I just I'm just concerned. Hmm. Why does the whole neighborhood have to know your concerns? And see what I don't want to do is I'm not saying, what, what's typically what we do at churches we will look over here where we see obvious sin and we'll focus all of our attention on obvious sin, right? Well, you know, so and so got drunk or whatever. Obvious sin. What's going on inside of you that God wants to change? What's the tradition that you said, you know what, I think this is more important and authoritative than the Word of God. Now I'm going to do something with you. I'm going to take you through some passages of Scripture because what really Jesus is going to do is, as you go through these, this passage of Scripture, I wanted you to drop down, um, for the sake of time, drop down to verse 15. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. So back to Matthew chapter 15, verse 15. Now verse 16. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a man passes through him and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, murder. Adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are not what defile a person. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a person. So it's really a heart issue and not a hand issue. Tradition said if you washed your hands their way, you were clean. Jesus said, no, it's about your heart. But what's typical of most of us is we will not reflect on our heart because there's conviction when we reflect on our heart. We like to look everywhere else. Let's get let's remove the speck out of everybody else's world and forget about the plank that is in our own eye, okay? Jesus is saying to you, oh, he wants to do some heart work this morning. And I want you to pause and think about all that's going on in your world and actually what is coming out of the inside of who you are. So if you start, let's go through those, those passages of Scripture when, it, when we think about the heart. So the first one uh, is Genesis chapter 5. So go to Genesis uh, chapter 5. Again, we'll start in the left and we'll go to the right. So Genesis chapter 5. Just thinking about the heart. Genesis chapter 5. Pick it up in verse 5. Wait, that's not what I want. I messed up on my verse. Um, go to Genesis chapter 6 and then start at verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of the clean animal and some of the clean birds and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground. First Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel 16, 7. When they came, we're looking at verse 6. And when they came, he looked on Adab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance, or on the height or his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not what man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse uh, 23. Proverbs 4, 23 says this. Keep vigilance with your heart, for it is the overflow or, or the spring of its life. Other, another version is um, Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of your life. Go to James chapter 1. So James chapter 1. Pick it up in verse 12. James 1. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast on the trial. For when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God." God. For God cannot tempt with evil. For he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desires... When it conceives, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. So this morning, as you're sitting with us, Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is going to be involved in a confrontation with some guys from Jerusalem, Pharisees and scribes that came to Jesus. And they came to Jesus with their tradition and said, You know what? We are whole because we wash our hands ceremonially the proper way. And Jesus says, no, it's not the way it works. What comes out of the inside is who you really are. The so One last verse that I want to put on the screen this morning to deal with your heart is Psalm 51. So this morning... I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on in your world. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is before me. Drop down to verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, Renew a right spirit within me. I realized this morning that there's a temptation on what you do to say that you are successful. And I want to say to you this morning that Jesus did not die on the cross for you to be successful. He died on the cross to create a clean heart in who you are. He died on the cross so there would be something inside of you to say, that would go to your Father and say, okay, Father, I need some help on the inside of who I am. Jesus Messiah humbled Himself, and He carried my cross so that I could have a clean heart, so that I could have some healing today. First Peter chapter five talks about being sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, but will you walk in the truth of Scripture? Will you pause this morning, as we end our time together, and say, "Okay, Father, what do you want to do with me?" Do you want to be an individual that says that we love Jesus, but we're always negative? you want to be an individual that walks around in fear for the majority of your life because you don't understand that your Father is always with you? Do you want to be an individual that says, oh, I went to church, but we never stopped and said, Father, what do you, what do you want to do on the inside of me? I know, I know you because you're probably a lot like me. So I was sitting at the Youth for Christ thing this weekend, and nobody knows who I am. It's great. I can worship how I want to worship. I don't have to say a word. I was telling Susan on the way home, it was so cool, not having to make a comment. And all along, you know what the Lord was just saying to me? I want you to have an intimate relationship with me. That's my goal. That's what my father wants from me. I wish you would give me a little bit more time to understand some truth. But Friday night, I was finishing up and at where we were and um, listening to Dan talk, and so I went back to to all, where we were staying, and I just laid on my bed and said, "You know what, Jesus, I just need you." Nothing more, nothing less. I have inadequacies. I have failures. I have issues. And uh, my issues aren't going to go away until I take my last breath. Most of my issues are for me to come to my Father and say, Would you help me? I know you have to. And I ask you, Do you hear that still small voice this morning? Does he want to do some healing in your, in your world? Is that still small voice saying, you know what? You keep looking over there, over there and 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 everybody else has got their problems. Over there and over there and over there. It's amazing how easy we can deflect and look at everybody else. Don't do it this morning. What does he want to do in you? What does he want to change in you? What's something that you've trumped as tradition? I know it's not washing your hands. I know it's not that. But there are things that you might say that are more authoritative than the Word of God. Blow them up. This morning. Save your Father. "Created me a clean heart. Do something inside of me. So we're just, Jordan's going to just come play quietly uh, this morning, and I'm going to end with a, just a time of prayer. And uh, We don't have any video cameras, and we're not going to say that this morning is successful if there's one person down here or no people down here, okay? I don't care who's here. I care who's sitting in the seats and what the Holy Spirit's doing with individuals sitting in the seats. So maybe it's healing this morning. Maybe it's your heart. I don't know. But he died on the cross for you. He gave his best gift for you. I'll be there. Elders will be around. We've got elders here. Pastor Andy and Gwen are here this morning. If you want to pray with somebody, we'd love to pray with you. If you want to sit in your seat, you can sit in your seat. If you just want to leave and go get coffee and donuts, that's fine too. We're not here to judge you. We're here to give you an opportunity to make a decision with your Father who knows your name, who sent his Son to die for you. Let him do some healing if he needs to. Let him work in your heart. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we can gather as a family. That you know our names. Wow, we're blessed to have a father like that. So whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, do it in our lives today. Start with me. Continue to change me. Continue to set me free. Continue to make me whole. By whole, I mean I say Jesus more often now than I ever have. So let him work in your life today. Thank you for being part of our family. God bless you.